Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello there, and welcome to this episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by none other than the wonderful people over at morbidlybeautiful.com. Head over on to Morbidly Beautiful to check out their great assortment of horror content. Everything you want from interviews to reviews, introspective, retrospective, top 10 lists, whatever you want, they have it. Furthermore, they have a great library of podcasts you can check out and catch up on, including They Mostly Podcast at Night, a horror film review podcast featuring two friends who have great on-mic chemistry. Other than that, I do have a couple of new reviews to share with you today. This one comes from Cherry B from America. She says in the title, Wonderful for anyone with an interest in horror or myth, and it's a five-star rating, so thank you very much for that. She wrote, I've only listened to a few episodes so far, but can already tell this is one of my new favorite podcasts. It's incredibly well-researched and satisfying to listen to. You learn a lot in only about 20 minutes without feeling overwhelmed by excessive information. Plus, Casey has a lovely voice. Would definitely recommend to anyone interested in in the subjects covered. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the lovely voice comment, considering I have a face for radio, and that's why I do this. So at least I have something going for me, right? The other one is also another five-star review from On Eight Legs, and it's on Apple Podcasts from America as well. And this person writes, Quick and delightful. Really enjoyed the topics. Lots of great info packed in easily bingeable episodes. Great content. I'm starting to see a theme with these reviews where they are enjoying that it's nice and short, not overwhelming, not very long. And I appreciate your comments. It's like waking up on Christmas morning being five years old again. The best way to make any podcaster stay is to leave a review. So once again, thank you to you two for taking the time to tell me what you think. It means a whole lot, as I've already said. But that is all I have for you right now. So let's get on to the podcast itself. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. England and the UK have some of the most colorful histories in the world. Everything from the British Empire to, well, football, they have such a history, such a past that it's hard to find things that aren't interesting if you're being completely honest with yourself. And that's sort of a good problem to have when you have a history-slash-horror podcast. Anything from Jack the Ripper to UFO sightings, the UK has experienced it all. But one of the things they are most known for are something called the ABCs. And no, I'm not talking about the alphabet. I'm talking about something called Alien Big Cats. Now you may be thinking, well, what is that, like uh, a giant six-headed alien with tentacles for arms as opposed to paws and talons that come out of their eyeballs? Not so much. Think of alien in the more realistic term, such as like an illegal alien, somebody who doesn't belong in a certain place. And that's what these cats are. They're more 
of exotic cats, big cats like leopards or jaguars, that somehow end up in the plains of the UK, and there are a few of them out there. Both plains and the big cats. But the one we're going to look at today is called the Beast of Bodmin Moor. Now anybody from the UK region probably is somewhat familiar with the area in question. It has a very rich history dating back to King Arthur's time. It's full of rock cropping similar to that of Stonehenge, and it has a very deep history and dark beauty to it as well. It's a very famous photograph spot, but it also holds a lot of dark, dark energy. So before we get into the beast itself, let's take a little look at what Bowdoin Moor actually is and some of its history. Now a lot of this information is going to come from cornwalls.co.uk and what better place to get your information from than the source itself. It describes Bowdoin Moor as such. It's one of Cornwall's designated areas of outstanding natural beauty. It's a remote, bleak heather, covered upland, granite moorland, and still grazed by moorland ponies and bisected by the main A30 road. North of the A30 lie Cornwall's two highest peaks, Rough Tor and the slightly taller Brown Willy, which reaches a height of 420 meters or about 1377 feet and that's above sea level. More than 100 Bronze Age hut circles have been excavated on the slopes of Rough Tor along with the Neolithic Tor enclosure and the foundations of a medieval chapel. The wild and windswept High Moor is also home to Cornwall's highest church located in the village of St. Breward, starting point of the Camel Trail. Manor Common near the attractive village of Blisland was first recorded in the Doomsday Book, and the area is home to a couple of Cornwall's more interesting stone circles, the Trippet Stones and the Stripple Stones Henge, as well as the 10-foot-high Jubilee Rock and a peculiar arrangement of stones known as King Arthur's Hall. South of the A30 lies the Siblebach Lake, one of Cornwall's best locations for inland water sports, offering tuition, equipment for hire, and an informal campsite. Sibleyback and its creepy little sister, Dozemary Pool, where many believe King Arthur's sword Excalibur still lurks, are easily accessible from Bullventor, site of the famous Jamaica Inn, which featured in the Smuggler's Tale of the same name by Daphne de Maurier. Legends and ghost stories abound on Bowdoin Moor, while countless reports of a Black Panther-like big cat have been given rise to a phenomenon called the Beast of Bowdoin Moor, the topic of today's podcast, and it has been known to savage livestock in the dead of night. A little bit more history here, Bowdoin Moor was densely populated during the Bronze Age and numerous fascinating archaeological remains have been uncovered, including the impressive Bronze Age cairns on the slopes of Brown Jelly, the remains of more than 50 Neolithic hut circles on Leskernick Hill, and the impressive Trethevi Quoit, near the village of Minions. Minions is close to numerous other places of interest, including Rillaton Barrow, the famous Hurler's Stone Circle, Daniel Gum's Cave, and the Cheese Ring, a striking wind-eroded formation of circular granite rocks balanced on top of each other that is said to be the result of an epic struggle between the giants and the saints. As well as Neolithic and Bronze Age remains, Bowdoin Moor boasts a wealth of other historical features, including medieval clapper bridges, such as the Delfer Bridge, which spans the Delank River near St. Breward, and is the best-preserved Celtic holy well in Cornwall. 
that of St. Clear near Boethic. Truant near Alternun has a strong association with John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, who used to stay in what is now Wesley's Cottage on his numerous visits to Cornwall. Like much of Cornwall, Bowdenmore was fairly heavily mined during the 19th century. Ruins of disused granite quarries and tin and copper mines litter the landscape, including the Phoenix United Mine in Minions, where there is a visitor center. Although for its most part, it is privately owned. Since 2000, much of Bowdenmore has been designated open access land, and there are excellent opportunities for hiking and other outdoor activities. The southern fringes are home to Cardenham Woods, 650 acres of forestry commission woodland, whose steep valley sides are crisscrossed with walking and mountain biking trails. The popular and much visited Goliath Falls lies on the road between Bolventor and St. Neot, where longer trails include Mark Camp's Copper Trail, a 60-mile, 10-day round trip of the entire moor. So now that we have a bit of history and a bit of information on Bowdenmore and what makes it so important to history and what happened there and all the lords and myths that are associated with it, we can talk a little bit more about the beast who roams the plains of Bowdenmore. Again, I found this website, the cornwalls.co.uk, to be very useful in this circumstance. It's provided a lot of information, so I'm just going to give it credit in the description below, and uh, you can check it out for yourself. But the Beast of Bowdenmore, from the Cornwall Guide. There is no doubt that Bowdenmore is a creepy place. Should you happen to find yourself alone there as dusk is falling, try not to think about the layers of legend, horror, and mystery associated with this wild and rugged landscape. And in particular, whatever you do, try not to let your mind dwell on the beast. The beast is a result of some 60 sightings of a black panther-like big cat, supposedly 3 to 5 feet long, sporting white-yellow eyes, combined with numerous reports of mutilated livestock. The evidence was robust enough that in 1995 the government ordered an official investigation into the existence of such a beast. The report finally concluded that there were no verifiable evidence of a big cat on Bowdenmore, although it was careful to state that there was no evidence against it either. It's one of those you have to prove a negative things, which is a little bit tougher to do, and not usually how things work, but I think they want to keep the legend alive, possibly for tourist reasons, possibly to keep themselves relevant, or maybe they're just trying to cover something up. Shortly after the report was published, the public was flabbergasted when a small boy found a leopard skull lying on the banks of the River Fowey. Big Cat speculation reached fever pitch. Had it escaped from a nearby zoo? Wasn't the author of the mutilations? Sadly though, the Natural History Museum boringly soon found that the leopard skull had belonged to an imported leopard that came to the country as part of a leopard skin rug. And once again the controversy died. Although sightings were still reported with reasonable regularity until 1998, when a video footage was released that clearly showed a black cat around three and a half feet long roaming the plains. The video described by the curator of the New Key Zoo and wildcat expert as the best evidence yet that big cats do indeed roam Bowdenmore. Now, of course, theories went wild. If it does exist, and many swear that it does, Perhaps the animal is a big cat that escaped a zoo or a private collection and was not reported because it had been imported illegally. 
a hypothesis rejected by scientists on the ground that the numbers needed to sustain a breeding population would be far too large for the food supply. Some believe the animal is a species of wildcat that is believed to become extinct in Britain more than a hundred years ago. Some, after reading reports not just of hissing and growling, but of sounds like a woman screaming, are inclined to blame the paranormal. Meanwhile, the sightings continue. As you can see, there are both arguments pertaining to the existence and the non-existence of this beast. But there's a little bit more to the story. Some that the article I just read you didn't really capitalize on. They didn't really investigate into a little bit more. And I think that warrants another look. Another source that I found says that, yeah, sure, the climate doesn't really fit a big exotic cat, and there isn't really much of a food supply in the area, despite having some maybe ponies kicking around. But for those that do believe in the existence of the Beast of Bowden Moor, they do have many theories, ranging from the natural to the paranormal. And a common theory is that most or all of the ABC sightings, remember that stands for Alien Big Cats, throughout the UK include those of the Beast of Bowden Moor, where animals that were formerly part of an imported private collection had either escaped or been released. These missing animals would not have been reported because importing them would have been illegal in the first place, as we touched on before. But it takes it one step further here. A more specific theory points to the Mary Chipperfield incident as a cause for the sightings. When she closed her zoo in 1978, she supposedly released three pumas into the wild. Author Benjamin Mee of We Bought a Zoo fame subscribes to this idea as well. However, Mee believes that the remaining population descended from the original three pumas would have died. According to him, he says, I think two whole generations of puma managed to live on the moor until the winter of 2010, when the weather got so cold, they all died. Mee also believes that rumors of the beast, which resurfaced in the summer of 2016, were caused by his Dartmoor Zoo. During this time, the zoo is missing Flavio, a lynx that had managed to escape. Flavio was recaptured a few weeks later, but possibly spotted and misinterpreted as the Beast of Bowden Moor during his free time roaming. Another theory simply states that a species of wildcat believed to have gone extinct is in fact still alive in the region. The most bizarre explanation is that the beast is somehow supernatural, possibly owing to the sounds it reportedly makes. Again, they never really found any actual evidence of a big cat in the Bowden Moor area. There was that video, but I saw a couple of screenshots from it, I couldn't find the exact video, but it just looked kind of like a big house cat, which is entirely possible. There are some big breeds of cats out there. Some evidence that may or may not be pertaining to this case also includes some prints of a puma that were found in the area in 1997. It does suggest that there was at least one large cat active at the time, and that could go back to the Mary Chipperfield incident where she closed the zoo and let out a couple of pumas. Furthermore, in 2012, a local man and his wife discovered a corpse that was believed to be a possible beast specimen, but I couldn't find any more information on that other than just a slight blurb on a couple of websites. I don't know if they ever did any scientific testing or if they compared it or sent it away to a zoo for further autopsies, I'm not sure, but they did find something, and it could just be all a hoax. That is always a possibility in situations like this. All in all, this whole topic requires a little bit more research and more people to get interested in it. And that's sort of the problem we have with a lot of the cryptids that I look at. There's only a select few people who actually take them seriously and provide evidence, and then they all sort of share that evidence around. 
so you get the same perspective on every website you look at or source or documentary so on and so forth and that's kind of the case i fell into with this one although there are other big cats that are cited around the uk and there was a survey actually completed by the big cat society of britain for the years 2004 and 5 and it noted that there were 2123 sightings of big cats sighted across great britain many believe these animals were descendants of animals u.s servicemen kept as mascots which were let loose following the end of world war ii it's kind of a iffy theory but i mean if these animals found a way to survive and we all know that nature has its way it's not unheard of to hear about the spreading of foreign populations of animals in various places not just the uk but all over the world furthermore all we have to do is look back at great britain's history of trading who knows how many different animals came through on those ships and boats back in the big trading days when Britain was kind of an empire ruling almost all of the world at that point. We don't know what they imported. Not everything was accounted for, much like the illegal imports that the articles here talked about. It's not impossible that an exotic species of animal, such as a leopard or a puma, found its home on the plains of Great Britain in the UK. Maybe it didn't have a whole lot of food to survive on, so it learned to live off of field mice and birds. I mean, eventually that's all going to add up. It doesn't have to take down a gazelle to survive. It's entirely possible that it evolved and adapted to its surroundings. Now, yes, those sort of changes take thousands of years to get hold of, but you never know. Like I said, nature has a way of making itself known and survive through the weirdest and most complex situations. Their history even goes as far back as the Roman amphitheaters, when there was at least one in Britain during the 1st century AD occupation. And they had gladiator fights and chariot races, and we all know that gladiators fought large, predatory animals, such as lions and tigers. You never know what happened. Maybe one got loose, maybe one evolved over the past, ooh, close to 2,000 years at this point, which is more likely than something from 1976 evolving to adapt. These are all just theories, of course. I don't have any concrete evidence either way of this beast roaming the moors of Bodmin, but you never know. There are things out there that we don't understand. And with over 2,000 sightings in just a year, there's got to be something to these tales. From Cornwall to Aberdeenshire in Scotland, there are sightings all over that hunk of land called the United Kingdom. This has been the Ominous Origins Podcast, and I'm Casey. If you like what you heard, please do leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or even Stitcher. Any one of those I'll be very happy with, or anywhere you can find. Don't forget to join our Facebook page at Horror Shots, or follow me on Twitter at Horror Shots Prod, as in production, or even on Patreon for some new updated episodes of the Horror Shots Minisodes featuring the history of demons. I have a couple up there now, and I plan on putting a few more up in the future, as well as a potential short film. There's a trailer up on there already on Patreon, which anybody can view. And if you are interested in seeing that in full, then join the Patreon. Of course, there's no obligation to, but if you do want to support the podcast, that is one of the best ways to do it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I will be back next week.